you know, we are living in an era of great names, of great fame, of great power, of great prestige, and of great wealth. But what we need to do is realize something. With great fame and great power and great prestige and great wealth and great names, God is not impressed with any of those things. Because of American Idol, young men and women over the years have been able to become overnight sensations. They have an ability to sing and they become known throughout the world. In a similar way, because of shows like Shark Tank, you have people that have been almost overnight sensations in the business world because they had some great idea. People previously unknown find themselves in prominent positions. Even more so, Prominent political figures become known throughout the world. One day they can be a bartender in New York City, and the next week they're a congressman all of a sudden because of social media and its phenomenons. Through the newspapers, through television and the Internet, it is possible for people to easily become prominent in our day and time. They become well-known. Some become highly praised. And some even rise to what we would call and the world calls greatness. But a lot of them at the same time are still very, very small inside. Many of them in terms of their character and integrity are still nothing more than pygmies. We need to realize something that's been lost in these past few years. Real greatness comes about because of what is inside of a person. What really matters is what a person is on the inside. Not what they are in a 20-second soundbite on the evening news or a photo op or a 40-character tweet. Our day and our time that we live in, folks, is one of great stress. And it's a time of great strain. And there are a lot of breakdowns. And sometimes those breakdowns come in homes. Often those breakdowns come in the individual themselves. And sometimes those breakdowns come in the church. Our day and time sees a time of increasing mental illness. And it's also a time of religious and moral breakdown. And a lot of the tragedy in our world today comes about as folks rush madly for bigness and wealth and power 
and importance. And in this mad rush in this world that we live in, the simple virtues that have always meant success are neglected. Because those simple virtues that have always meant success are homely little things that really don't spread well across the headlines. But they are the things that God appreciates. If our nation is to remain strong, we have to go back to those simple virtues. And if you and I are going to live lives that have stability and strength and happiness, we have to develop those simple virtues. And while they may not be spectacular, and while they may not be flashy, and while the world may not see them as great, they are the marks of real greatness. In this context, what I want to do is share a story with you this morning. It's a very simple and a very old story. It occurs among some peasant people in a little country that was hardly known even in its own day and time and certainly is hardly known now. It happened about a thousand years before Jesus came to this earth on the back side of the world. And you actually wonder when you realize how obscure this little country was and where it was on the back side of nowhere, what could have possibly happened there of any lasting importance? But what happened there was important enough that God recorded it for all time. In the day and time which it happened, it was humble and probably even went unnoticed in that far off day. But it's a story that's going to be read and a story that's going to be told and a story that's going to be retold till the end of time. God will still be recommending this little story in His book because in this little story, are the grounds of eternal greatness. Because this little story has in it what is really important. Listen and read with me. I'm going to read from the book of Ruth, beginning with verse 1 of chapter 1. Now it came to pass in those days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kylon, of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came to the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there almost ten years. 
And Malon and Kilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited His people in giving them bread. Wherefore she went forth out of the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And Naomi said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voice, and they wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee to thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? And there are there yet any more sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way. For I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should say have a husband also tonight and should bear sons, would you tarry for them until they were grown? Would you stay for them from having husbands? No, my daughters. It grieveth me much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and they wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, will I die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do also to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. So they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, Is this Naomi? These were not wealthy people. These were not the cream of society. They were not the politically well-connected or the politically powerful. These were peasant people. And if we were describing them in today's modern terminology, we might say they were displaced persons. Or we might say they were migrant workers. You might say they were refugees. They were refugees from a famine. So when they left Bethlehem, Judah, where did they go? They went to a place called Moab. <laughs> Moab of all places. 
Moab was over back of the Dead Sea. Moab had never been known for anything important. But there was something in these people. What was it? The essence of the story is this. In the lives of these, as we would say, unimportant, insignificant people, there was a pure, tender love. A love for each other that made them great. Now here was a mother-in-law situation. And there's the possibility that Naomi is going to dominate her sons too much. There's the possibility that consequently her daughters-in-law might think of Naomi as a rival for the love and affection of her sons. Then again, she might dominate the daughters-in-law. She might try to tell them how to live. Then, Naomi was a foreigner. So you've got all of these things that are real barriers. And yet they did not apply in this instance. Naomi had a love for Orpah and Ruth, her daughters-in-law, that melted those barriers. When tragedy struck and her husband was taken, and then a little later when tragedy struck again and her boys died, those two daughters-in-law drew near to their mother-in-law. There was a love in her heart. A love on her part that melted any estrangement that might have come. But what was it that drew them to to what was it that drew them to Naomi? It wasn't her wealth they were after, obviously. She didn't have a fine house. She didn't have a great inheritance. Elimelech didn't leave her with a big life insurance policy. She was alone. Among foreigners. She was a foreigner. Among strangers. In a strange land. She had nothing except one thing. And that was that she loved Orpah. And she loved Ruth. That love was so powerful when she said, I think I'm going to go home to my own people in Bethlehem. Both of those girls said, we're going to go with you. And they wept. And they kissed her. And then comes that eloquent pleading speech that we just read. Don't go with me, she said. You go back. You stay with your own people. Go back to your mother's home. In time, you'll have another husband. You're young. Your whole life is still ahead of you. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and turned back and went home weeping. But Ruth, Ruth did not turn back. Now, I want you this morning, as I've said so many times, 
I want you by an eye of faith to look back to that scene with me. I want you to see that dusty road they traveled down. Do you see it? There's no pavement. Do you see the little hovels that are there along that dusty road for houses? That's all they had. But there was something on that dusty road. There was something in that unimpressive setting that lives on even today. In our day and time, when a couple's ready to get married, the bride wants to include often those beautiful words of Ruth in the wedding ceremony. And it's time for the wedding. The candles are lighted. The music is playing. The decorations are in place. The audience is seated. The bride and the bridegroom are there. And then we listen to those words from a peasant girl. Fill the room and fill our hearts. And the bride says to her groom, Entreat me not to leave thee, and to return from following after thee. For whether thou goest, I will go, and where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God my God. Where thou diest, I will die, and there will I be buried. Jehovah do so to me, and more also, if aught but death parts thee and me. Here's the thing. Ruth returned the love that Naomi had given to her. Naomi showed love to Ruth and Ruth returned that love. She left her own land. She left her own people. She left her own God. And she went back to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law. In chapter 2 and verse 12 we read, The Lord recompensed thy work and a full reward He given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. What happened? Ruth had come to take refuge under the wings of Jehovah. Now here's something, if it hasn't already, here's something that should literally jump right off the page at you. Naomi had by her example brought someone who really did not know Jehovah under the influence of Jehovah. Write the name of Naomi down as a missionary. Write the name of Naomi down as a personal worker. Write the name of Naomi down as a personal evangelist. Naomi brought someone to God. And she did it without tracks, and she did it without film strips, and she did it without a Bible in her hand. She did it because she showed the love of God in her heart to someone else.
The rest of the story is an impressive one. But it's not an impressive one for our study this morning because I've been threatened if I go too long. God blessed Naomi and Ruth when they got to Bethlehem. Ruth was guided to a man by the name of Boaz and he performed the rite of a kinsman. He married her. And in time, Boaz and Ruth had a son. And if you turn over to Matthew chapter 1 and you read the genealogy of Jesus, you read about that son. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Judah, Perez, Hezron, Ram, Amenadab, Nashon, Salmon, Boaz, Obed, son of Ruth, Jesse, and David. A Moabite girl who was a nobody has her name inscribed and enshrined in the opening chapter of Matthew as one of those who played a part in the lineage of Jesus. Because someone showed her by their life the love of God. Now here's the thing. Do we find in our lives what was in Naomi's life? Tender, pure love. Do we find it in our home? Do we find it among our family? Better still, does our life, does my life, does your life have that same emphasis? What is the central theme of Christianity? The central theme of Christianity is love. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. John chapter 3 and verse 16. That's the way it all began. What's the greatest of all commandments? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. The second is this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said that in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. We can fly in jet airplanes. We can go to the moon. But if we don't have love, we're useless. We don't count. We can have millions. We can have the cattle on a thousand hills. We can have all the gold in Fort Knox. And if we don't have love, simple, old-fashioned Virtue of love. Our lives don't count. We've got to learn to emphasize the important things. That we must love God. And we must love each other. And when we love, when we really love, When we love the way God wants us to love, 
it's going to be a lot less tension and a lot fewer problems. Told you it was an old story, didn't I? But is that old story of Ruth and Naomi, is it not a beautiful story? Does it make you want to have love flow out of your heart into the heart of others if it doesn't, it ought to? We have to start. We have to start by loving God. And we have to show that love by being real Christians. Remember a book a few years ago? The title of it was Real Men Eat Quiche. Remember that book? This means yes, this means no. If you remember it, power to you. I remember it because I thought, thank goodness, I like to eat quiche. Real men eat quiche. Are you listening? Real Christians love. Real Christians love. They love the Lord. They love their families. They love their fellow man. They love each other. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. It's His invitation as we stand and while we sing.